You're listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books, with your hosts, Engineer Mike and Nina McNamara. Ever wanted to know if the first few pages of a book were good enough to continue reading? Will a book be engaging enough, or will it bore you to death? Then keep listening. The plot thickens. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of First Chapters with Engineer Mike and Nina. I can introduce myself. Sorry? I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> Nina right. McNamara, and this is... I thought you were doing it from this point on. No. I thought you had it. You I said I got it from this point. <laughs> I can say my letting, own name. I was taking a step back and letting a woman lead. That is on brand for our book today. Mm, I believe it is, yes, which we'll get into. We won't talk about it yet, but our book today is The Gate of Ivril by famous author C.J. Cherry. If you're familiar with science fiction novels, you've definitely heard of her. And if you haven't, what is wrong with you? Very prolific. Very you prolific. Cannot, Browse the you, shelf. Yes, yeah. any shelf of any used bookstore or any new bookstore, really, without seeing her name on there. And mm. her name is spelled very uniquely. C- yeah, funny story. You know the story? behind that uh yes her editor did not want yes, her to be confused yeah. with the romance novel so uh, she added her romance novelist so i actually heard it was her editor did not want her confused with a woman which is why they originally put the h there at the end yeah from what i read now really? I, my source yeah. is wikipedia which is you know yeah, infallible yeah. but these are all stories who knows what the real answer is you'd have to ask miss cherry Ms. miss 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 but her last name is spelled c-h-e-r-r-y-h with an extra h with an extra h silent though silent. yeah it, it's yeah it's silent but yeah extremely plural uh, plurif- she wrote a lot of books. She writes a lot of shit. <laughs> she, okay. wrote a, she writes a lot of stuff. Prolific. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I, a lot of stuff, but I've read a lot of other books by a lot of other authors. And while many of them can write a lot of stuff, a lot of it can be shit. You know, mm-hmm. uh, CJ Cherry, I have never read a book by her that I did not like. That is yeah. incredible. The, I have yes. never heard you say that oh, before yeah, about no. any author e- that you've read before. Every single thing the woman writes is gold as far as I'm concerned. There are definitely books that I've read that are on that list that I like rate higher. Mm-hmm. Or I would, you know, I mean, <laughs> these are all five-star books that I may personally think, hey, uh, this one is an even better book. There's no other author that every single one of their books I absolutely love. I will get a book by her and I'll think like, oh, I wonder what this one's going to be like. And I just will read the whole thing in three days. That's fast for even me. I will just devour the book. I don't know what it is about it. I just want more and more and more and more and I can't stop reading it. That is fascinating because she does not write short fiction. Although she has published short stories before. Her mm -hmm. novels are pretty Meeting. They are big. They are every and they're single, dense. Yeah, too. they're big and dense. And, and we'll big. get into yeah. that. Oh, in just a minute. definitely yes. And this is not a science fiction book. This one I is heard not. that you read today. No, we wanted to do a non-science fiction book for this episode. And we're not going to have nothing but science fiction on this podcast. There's definitely other genres in my collection, and you'll find this too with a lot of science fiction authors. I don't know if it's something about the genre or what, but you'll have a lot of science fiction authors that will occasionally write fantasy. Mm -hmm. You'll have fantasy authors that occasionally write science fiction, like, you know, George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Famous writer of Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. Also has written science fiction before, like straight up real science fiction. Have you read any of his science fiction? I've read a chapter 
of one of his books. George R. R. Martin is definitely not one of my favorite authors, just mm-hmm. because of all the other shit involving books. I love his writing, but we don't have to get into the George. Yeah, let's, the, let's the not George R. R. Martin. What's the problem with George R. R. Martin podcast? Whether or not I would even I, read I, one of his science fiction books, I don't know. Spoiler yeah. alert! Yeah. I have been for the longest time writing an article called "The Problem with George R. R. Martin," oh, where I'm throwing a very small brick at a very large window. Yes. Um, but one day I will publish that article. Yeah. Yeah, so I've read a chapter of one of his science fiction novels, and to be honest, didn't like it. Yeah. To be honest, didn't like it. I don't know what it was. I just didn't didn't want to read anymore. Do you find that common with authors who heavily write in one genre when they deviate no. into another? Not at all. No, I think a good author is a good author regardless of genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, another author we've done on this podcast, uh, Samuel R. Delaney, he, like I say, mm-hmm. he's written fantasy and science fiction. I love them both equally. C.J. Cherry, she's got a lot of science fiction and then quite a few more fantasy novels than, say, Samuel R. Delaney has. Mm -hmm. And I love them all equally. And and there's a few other authors I can think about like that, too. I love their science fiction and fantasy books interchangeably. I agree with that. I I think if you're a good author, you can have strengths Mm -hmm. in different genres, but I think a good author is a good author regardless of what they try. Like, okay, Stephen King, I'm going to use one that everybody recognizes. I think Stephen King, his Eye of the Dragon, Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very good fantasy novel. Yes, very, very good. And he's not someone who writes fantasy per se. Mm. Although you, you could argue that the Dark Tower series is quasi-fantasy, quasi-science-fiction. Quasi fantasy, yeah. quasi and, and, and we'll definitely get into the, the difference of my own personal definition of what's the difference between fantasy and science fiction. Sure. And which I also got from somewhere else. So it's not like I invented this. But there's a pretty strict delimiter between the two. But either way, that's getting yeah. into a little bit of the book we'll be reading. But we'll get into our first. There's a new, a new segment of the podcast. What are we reading this week? Yeah, Engineer Mike, go first. All right, what I've been reading this week is uh, two books. Uh, I'm reading one pre-release novel by an author I'm helping publish that I cannot talk about because it's still pre-release. Ooh. It's a, a meaty tome as mm-hmm. well, just like C.J. Cherry. Different genre completely. Mm-hmm. Not science fiction or fantasy. Just usual genre mm-hmm. fiction, just something commercial. But uh, I'm, I'm working my way through it as well as... A book by another author we will definitely do on this podcast called Anne Leckie, mm-hmm. who is an author I have been, I've been dreading the episode where we do her famous book, Ancillary mm-hmm. Justice, where there's a, there is a lot to unpack with that story of Ancillary Justice. But I'm reading another book by her called Providence. 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 I, I keep wanting to call it Perseverance, which <laughs> would describe me trying to get through this book. Oh, no. I call this my, my sleepy time book. <laughs> because I will I will start reading this book. I will make it about three or four pages and I am just falling asleep. Oh, but God. not not in a negative way. Not in a way you just describe it like this book is so bad. I'm falling asleep. No, I mean I'm reading it, it's okay, and I'm comfortable, and I just kind of fall asleep while reading. And and that is not usually <laughs> the case. This book is your indica, is what I'm saying. It's hearing. very true. And that's not usually the case for me. I will read late into the night. I'm already in an insomniac. And if a book is good, I will continue reading it. This book is like like a drug. It just puts me to sleep. This book, Providence, I can never remember that name. Oh, so what are you reading this week? Okay, we're recording this on a very auspicious day. By the time this airs, the season finale of The Idol will be over. Oh, boy. I forgot about that. With only five episodes for the entire first season. <laughs> that is all they could scrounge that's, up from that. That's what they could that's, scrounge That's what they could salvage. <laughs> I was going to tell you last week, because uh, you and I have been watching the idol with like question marks over our heads for again the last four weeks this will be our fifth and And, final last yeah (laughs) 
I was going to tell you last week that since we gave it my normal four episode mm-hmm. run, which, episodes, you know, yeah. just like with first chapters, uh-huh. I exactly. usually give, yes. I usually give shows about uh, three or four episodes to try to hook me in. And if it doesn't, I say, fuck it and mm-hmm. quit. The Idol, I was going to quit last week after the fourth episode because mm-hmm. this was boring. This yeah. was dumb. But when I saw that this week was the season finale oh, yeah, of yeah. five episodes. I'm Go like, well, what it. the fuck? Yeah, okay. why not? Finish it up. For those of you who don't know, The Idol is... I don't really know how to describe the plot <laughs> of The Idol. It really doesn't have much of one. So Lily Rose Depp, daughter of Johnny, is a pop star in the likes of Britney Spears or, mm. you know, very troubled, but at the height of her game, kind of like Taylor Swift today. Living she's had a sphere. breakdown. Yeah. Her abusive mother has just died and she's come out of a, a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. My thoughts about this show are, again, it's nowhere near as clever, smart, or controversial as it wants you to think. Oh, definitely not. And nowhere near as disgusting or edgy as the reviews are making it out to be. Now, if it wanted to be any of those things, it would have starred teenagers, i.e. doing drugs, having weird, uncomfortable sex, doing bizarre shit, saying weird shit, that sort of things. Oh, wait, that show already exists. It's called Euphoria. That's another Sam Levinson And it's actually by the same guy. And that show is much more interesting. Yeah, that's a melodrama, but man, I'll eat that up. I will gobble that up like fucking OC. Come on. (laughs) We'll cut that part out. No, please get that in. (laughs) But anyway. Like the show The OC is what Nina's talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The canceled show The OC. What are you Uh, reading? What I'm reading this week or what I read this week was... An article on the AV Club, which, you know, the AV Club is not great, Mm -hmm. but every now and then they'll have an article that kind of hits home. Mm -hmm. This week they published an article called The Idol Has a Serious The Weekend Problem. And I I should mention that... The Idol also stars your fave, The Weeknd. The Weeknd, oh, and who now goes by his real name, Abel. Abel, yep. Tess Fay, and mm-hmm. you and I have clashed many times yes, about yeah. the talents behind The Weeknd. We have different opinions on The Weeknd as we do on novels. I do not like The Weeknd. And I love The Weeknd. That is that. It's just this scathing destruction of The oh, Weeknd's God. presence yeah. on the show. There's just too much of him. And there's too much of him because he was pulled in to yeah. essentially revamp the show. And and then they had to unrevamp it afterwards. And that's why I think there's only five episodes because yeah. this is a show that was being made to be one thing, turned into another thing. And then at the last minute, they tried to scrounge what they could out of what they filmed and barely got five episodes out of it. I want to read a small part of this article, which is really, really good. And co-created by Sam Levinson, who he created Euphoria, which again, I love Euphoria, even the crappy second season. I thought it was worth a watch. Co-created by Sam Levinson, Abel, The Weekend Tesfaye, and Reza Fahim. It's a weird but undeniably gripping look at the music industry's inner workings. Too bad, then, when we only get glimpses into this world because all that promise collapses into an unwatchable mess once The Weekend comes on screen. What the article gets at is that what I've been saying since the show started is why is The Weekend on this show? Like, even his character doesn't have much to do other than to lurk in the corners with his rat tail. Like, in the first episode, they actually have him running lines in the mirror. Yeah, which I think was, like, B-roll they kept in. I know. It It had to be, like, B-roll. We're going to have Abel come in and, like, snort a line of coke. You want to know why my opinion of why he's on the show? Why? Why I think he's on the show is money. I think it's because they got to film most of the show at his house. If you notice... (laughs) 
the entirety of the show, except for I think house. three times, is that yeah, which, they never go anywhere. No, they stick no. around this really gaudy mansion, mansion which which is actually Abel uh, Test Fay's mansion. It's his house. Yes. They're filming the whole whole show at, which you can save a tremendous amount of money making a show like that. Yeah. So he was like, "But I'm going to be on the show," and they were like, "Okay." Sure. <laughs> also, this is not going to be the idol podcast we could no. we could seriously just like in the 40k episode i could sit there you for can cut whatever you want talk. out of this oh. i just want to tell you that i hate the show All right. but not for the reasons everyone else does i think it's boring but anyway that's yeah. what i'm reading this week right. let's get into yeah. the text yeah. of what we're talking about cj cherry's the gate of Ivril. Ivril. The, yep. It's Gate of Ivril, not yep. the Gates of Iril, which nope. I thought nope. it was until yeah. just now. <laughs> I'm glad you let me know before yep. I... Funny, I it's, it's a funny font. I've only ever read this book as part of a three-book uh, compendium. compendium called the Morgane Saga. It's three novels put into a big, thick novel. It's it? part of a saga called the Morgane Saga. And I like that it's called the Morgane Saga. That, that makes yes. me think of a please don't turn off the podcast right now. It makes me think of The Mists of Avalon. The Mists of Avalon didn't come out until 83. This was first published in 76. Wow. Yeah, the first part of it was. Yeah. Be perfectly fair. Morgane is completely independent of Mm -hmm. both things. Morgane is a very common either Old English or Old Breton. It's from the King Arthur stories. Yeah, Yeah. like a Welsh Mm -hmm. type name. You would use the name Morgane as an author when you were trying to describe like a woman who people were misjudged. Witchy, exactly, witchy, that people were kind of, let's say, misjudging. Yes. People just didn't like this woman without getting too into the story of King Arthur, which we're not. This is not pop medieval. This is not pop medieval. Uh, (laughs) You know, you use the name as a woman as a stand-in for, this is a woman that people don't like because she has power that men crave. That, that's kind of how I yeah. think about it. A little bit of background on C.J. Cherry. Extremely prolific author. One of my favorites. I love C.J. Cherry as a person. Yeah, she had too. the life that I wanted if I didn't become such a cynical anti-post-secondary education person. <laughs> mm. Just reading a little bit of what she did. She graduated college and she taught Latin, Greek, the classics, and ancient history for high school. Yeah. And though her job was teaching Latin, her passion was... The history, religion, and culture of Roman ancient Greek, which, holy shit, that was right up my alley. Was, my minor was. was in classics yes. because I was so obsessed with ancient Rome and Greece yeah. and all of that. I even learned Homeric Greek, yes. which has mm-hmm. never impressed anybody except myself. No, your priest. Dude. My priest Very friend. Very important to ancient Christianity. During the summers, she would conduct student tours of the ancient ruins in England, France, Spain, and Italy. And then in her spare time, she would write using the mythology of Rome and Greece as plots for her stories in the future. Like, what the hell? I wanted that life. Yeah, I That was amazing. That is so fascinating that that is truly her backstory because I just don't see that in most of her novels. Most of her novels are what I'd call, and typically what's called in the industry, hard science fiction. We might as well get into the difference between fantasy and science fiction, this being a, a fantasy book of hers we're talking today. The difference between science fiction and fantasy is that science fiction is literature which at its core is talking about an advancement in science. Not Mm -hmm. science that has already been advanced. I could get into why Star Wars is not science fiction. Star Wars is fantasy. Science fiction talks about science that is still going forward. Say like for Star Wars, all the science has already been invented. Mm -hmm. All the science has been around for thousands of years 
and people are looking backward. All the stories about Star Wars are, oh, this ancient thing of Jedi's and this ancient order of blah, 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 and this, this kind of stuff. It's all looking backwards, fantasy is. Now, I don't mean in a negative way. I mean just it happens to be stuff was even more advanced in the past and we're living in a slightly less advanced future. While science fiction is all about science is at its most peak right now and is still progressing even further as we go. That's like her books. Now, this book today, Gate of Ivril, is fantasy, where the mm -hmm. world the characters are in is a less advanced time than what occurred in the past. Technology is old. It has been lost. Very much like the world of 40K. Yeah. Our book from two episodes ago. Those books are actually fantasy. They're not science fiction. All technology has already been invented and the characters are living in a less advanced time. This book is fantasy. So this book is more aligned with the history of C.J. Cherries that you described. There's, I can see the archaeology in here. As you may have noticed from the intro chapter, a little bit of Middle English. I'll tell you about okay. how far I sure, got. Sure, how far did you get? I then? read the prologue. I read the first and second chapter okay. before I called it quits. All right. Was the character Pro of Morgane even introduced? Yes. At point? Okay, good. Yes. Good. Morgane yeah. was the mythos. Mm -hmm. Again, we're bringing back the word mythos. Her character was introduced in the prologue. She was brought back in the first chapter and continued through the second chapter. Okay, good. I mentioned mm -hmm. that I really like C.J. Cherry mm -hmm. as a person. person. I, mm -hmm. yeah, again, I admire yeah. how prolific of a writer she is. Yeah. Should we bury the lead about... Yeah, you know, she's also queer. Yep, she's queer. Um, Has been married to a woman for many years. They were in a, a domestic partnership yeah. for 25 years before they got married. Okay, yeah. So, so in her books, though, there will be, let's say, strong female characters. Yes. Are present in her books. I'm going to say that I have tried many times to read through a C.J. Cherry yes, novel. Yes, this is not the first time I've handed you a book and said, I really love this, will you please read it? And you got through maybe the first chapter and said, nope. <laughs> C.J. Cherry has a, C.J. Yeah. Cherry's writing style oh, yes, is yes, yes. called third person limited. Ex it, well, no, it's called extremely, third person extremely limited. Extremely limited. Which is your least favorite type of writing. Yeah. I love uh, it. I love it. And put a pin in that. Mm, My favorite okay. phrase, put a pin in that. All right. Because it comes back to haunt us Ooh. in chapter one. Oh, all right. What that means, what third person extremely limited means mm -hmm. is that you are basically in the protagonist or the main character's head mm -hmm. and what you're seeing being described mm -hmm. is what is happening. Yep. So you don't have to see the description of a computer, mm. say, because you already know what one looks like. Or you don't know what one looks like, and because of that, the main character also doesn't know, and thus you don't know. Do you know what I mean? If the main character sees something that they don't understand, you also don't yeah, understand exactly. it, because the author, the author is not going to tell you. I describe it as you're in the dark. That, and see, that's why I love this kind of writing, because like I've said before, when I read a science fiction novel, I want to feel alien. I want to feel like I'm in an alien land, mm -hmm. that I do not know what is going on, and I don't have the information I need. And especially when reading a C.J. Cherry novel, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what any of this stuff is. I don't know why people are doing what they're doing. And while I love that, you, I think, do not. There are two extremes. So there's C.J. Cherry, who does mm -hmm. this extremely limited third person. And there are authors like China Mieville, mm -hmm. who mm. is just nothing but description. Okay. Almost to the point of purple. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I have read at least one or two books by China Mieville mm -hmm. that I that have loved. loved. The Scar yes. is one of my favorite Very books. Much you love. So I am not going to dismiss C.J. Mm -hmm. Cherry. I believe there is a book out there that she has written for me. I know she's I would, written. I would love to find it. She's written yeah. so many of them. Yes. So the first chapter of this book, which Gate. is not a straight up narrative. Okay, the prologue. The reason why it took me so long, you were, you said you were getting worried about me. I was getting me. worried waiting for you to get It in. took me that long 
long to get through the prologue. Wow. I was going back and forth and back and forth trying to read it, trying to figure out what figure was Figure out what on. you were missing. You weren't missing anything. It is just you do not know what is going on. I'm going to read a little sure. bit of my notes yeah. here because it was a the, slog. The prologue, yeah. You're not introduced to characters. It's the mythos. It, it's, they're talking yeah. about the mythos. There you go. It's the mythos of this book. What I've gleaned from it is that it's got two halves. So it's got like the science fiction half, which talks about these gates. Mm-hmm. And it's got the fantasy half, which talks about the mythology of Morgaine. So the science fiction half, there were these gates that were littered around this world. I'm not going to go too much into the names mm-hmm. of things because that's where I got annoyed. Oh, there yes. are way too yeah. many names. Yeah. I don't want to remember these right now. I'm sure they'll come to me the more I read. You know, I having read the book, the names always mixed me up. Yeah. Always mixed me up. So there are these gates that were used for transport through time. Yeah, think like a warp gate. Yeah, or so a, yeah, move forward light years yeah, in time. Yeah. A teleport gate, that kind of thing. Yeah, but you couldn't move back yep. in time mm-hmm. because it would affect present life. Yes. But eventually some life forms, they began tampering with the gates Mm -hmm. to start warping reality and create these anomalies. As that went on, as things got worse and worse and worse, time corrected itself. It did Mm -hmm. like this self-correction and Mm -hmm. there was like a hard reset. And that caused like this ripple distortion effect. Good good way to describe it. Okay. And it crossed present time. Everything got fucked up. Yeah. Everything got shit fucked up. Shit got all fucked up. People people poked around with shit and shit all got fucked up. Pretty much. So the gates still exist. Now this is from the narrative perspective of some place called the Science Bureau. Do you want to know what that is? That at the very beginning of this book, which is a fantasy book, is a little bit that touches upon C.J. Cherry's Consistent Extended Universe. All of her science fiction books exist in what's called the Alliance Union Universe. They're all in the same world. Okay. And they all touch upon the same world. I always found it very neat is that at the very beginning of this fantasy book, which is completely separate, they touch upon a little bit of that other world saying that the Union is actually one of the forces in that world. So the Union is Mm -hmm. asking for permission to send parties through Mm -hmm. these gates and seal them from the Mm -hmm. other side, which is the future. Kind of. And fucking shit up again. There's not as much actual time travel stuff. Think of it more as just space. Whatever. Don't fuck shit up. They found some holes in the fabric of space and time, and they're wanting to fix them. Sure. That's the science fiction-y part of the Which ends right there. But then it yep. goes into the fantasy part, mm-hmm. which yep. immediately, and it's talking about the, the origin story of this Morgane character, which, mm-hmm. so there was a war going on mm-hmm. in this land. Again, I'm not going to get caught up in like the names of yes, the do, land. Do not try to repeat No, names, with like a whole bunch of, you know, vowels are stuck it's, together. It's fantasy names. If you yeah. read a fantasy book, you know the names. You shouldn't try to pronounce vowels them. Vowels are out. stuck together yeah. in like vaguely. Apostrophes. There's extra apostrophes Old English, yeah. You get the idea. But anyway, this witchy pale woman along with four other men. um, She's described as a woman of pale coloring and great stature. She arrives with four other men who were dark. They were seemingly men. I Mm -hmm. think that's how they describe. Not necessarily men, but seemingly men. Mm -hmm. They arrive at this kingdom and they were given hospitality. Like in in the old Roman Roman or Greek way. Mm -hmm. And either they were betrayed or the five strangers did the betrayal it's it's unclear because it's all in the past what i think is that they were betrayed okay and the five strangers as they're referred to fled no one knows what happened Mm -hmm. to the four men likely they died
died, the woman was cursed to sleep in this veil or this tomb, mm -hmm. which is now called Morgane's tomb. That's the origin story of this yep. Morgane, this witchy woman. Yeah, I've always found it very neat because you're told this in yeah. the prologue by like a succession of ancient passages that have been recovered. As you go through them, the language changes. Mm -hmm. You start in the science fiction world where it's English and then it gets like Middle English, I you know? Yeah. Southie there. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's very... like you realize you're reading like an old text at this yeah. point. Yeah, so that's the prologue. And, that, and it took me a while to get through that just to I can understand. See. And I yeah. still don't yeah. know if I got it 100% correct or if I... Kind of yeah. like I said about the beginning of the city in the middle of the night. It's very much to me just setting the color of yeah. the whole text. It's to unseat me as a reader and make me feel like I don't know what's going on, yeah. which is exactly what I'm looking for in a book. Yeah. So when I got through the prologue, I'm like, okay, that was a slog. But I think <laughs> I understood, like I kind of jive with what's going on. All right, let's go on to chapter one. Hmm. Then I get to chapter one mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, no, this is all falling apart. <laughs> now, remember what you said about third person extremely limited? Yes, yeah. yeah. That is not the case for chapter one. Really? Really. How chapter yeah, one, uh -huh. at least for the first two pages, mm -hmm. is an exposition dump. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And right. that made me mad. Okay. Okay. There is way too much exposition. There's yes. too much information about what it's like to be Morija or slash Bayan yes, or yeah. Enor. There are two warring nations. There's a paragraph yeah. about the ruling clans <laughs> and their power struggles. And then it gets into how Vanya, Vanya is like the, uh -huh. the protagonist. Yes. How he is, he's, he's knee yep. and why that's important to know so early on. Uh, then it goes into how he takes after his mother, too, because his mother's people are volatile and artistic, but he's also <laughs> ambitious like his half-brothers. This is too much. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of color. Well, it's good for the mythos. I don't care this early on because this is world building. This mm -hmm. is not character building. This is telling you too much about the world that's around them. And I don't like this. This is I, I think I've said this before mm -hmm. on this podcast, but I don't care about the world this early on. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know the characters. I agree with and you. And then I want to see the world kind of unfold there I, out. I you agree know? with you, yeah. This could have started, and let me let me read the very first line. So it's like you start the first chapter. There's yeah. about two pages it of goes just on. exposition. So, blah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And upon an autumn day in the 23rd year of Ni, Rijan, and Ra Moraj, a son of Rijan, died. That is a perfect yes. line to start on. And the reason being, because it starts off with a bang. Yeah, it introduces yeah. the protagonist, uh -huh. and we have a violent aftermath of a fight. We don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. We don't know these names, but we know a prince dies and mm -hmm. somehow the protagonist is connected to them. Yes. The father is Ni Rijan, I think. Oh, I don't remember. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm naming the names, but we learn not only is Vanya the bastard son, but we get a backstory in just a few exchanges of dialogue. Yeah, I think of like Jon Snow sure. from Song of Fire and Ice. We find out that Vanya, he's banished for mm -hmm. killing his half-brothers who were their princes mm -hmm. of this nation. And he's banished and he's sent to Morgane's tomb, which is, you know, what we learn about in the prologue. And he winds up summoning her. Yep. Somehow. Somehow. The narrative summons her. Yeah. Because otherwise the story's not going to get going. And that's the end of chapter one. Wow, okay. So when you were talking about her <laughs> writing being third person extremely limited yeah, yeah. completely undone it, it starts past this point yeah, yeah the first chapter i will and i think this is maybe a thing in cj cherry's novels too definitely the first chapter slash prologue can often be a bit uneven i'm thinking of the book i'm thinking of it in the not the afterglow of reading a book but uh, <laughs> the kind of after after thoughts you know oh god I'm, that was I'm, so good yeah, i'm considering the whole book as a whole is extremely limited third person mm -hmm. yeah the first two pages are exposition dump the second chapter that you read that you said 
said you read, that's more like the way the rest of the book is. Okay, so in the second chapter, he's stuck in this cave with her. Basically, yeah. he's kind of scared to run away from her. But he's also yeah. weirdly compelled by her. Weird. There's also like this funny paragraph about him stroking her horse. Like he's like, I feel so connected to her horse and he really <laughs> covets her horse. She asks him what happened. and mm. But then he like kind of regurgitates the facts of the prologue. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that would have been a really great place to start talking about the land that you see here. Like she's like, okay, where am I? What happened? Yeah. How long have I been cursed to, to be this yeah. tomb? And yeah. he could have explained to her. Mm -hmm. And we as the, the readers, as the audience be like, okay, what's going on here? Okay, now we know. Yeah. But nope, you're not told that, are you? But no, you're not no, told that. No. <laughs> you're just retold what you already know. Which you don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Then something really interesting happens mm -hmm. is that he tells her, I'm from this land. Well, he's banished from his old land, so he has to go by the new land. Like, yeah. I am now of this new place. And she bristles at that. She says, mm -hmm. well, the last people who betrayed me mm -hmm. were of that land. Yeah. And she reacts very poorly to that. And he realizes mm -hmm. his fuck up and says... Oh, well, I'm, I'm not like those people. I'm yeah. not going to betray you. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm, like other girls. And she immediately wants nothing to do with him. Mm. She's like, well, if you're going to follow me, you can follow me. But you got to listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. And he's like, what about me? You know, I need help. I'm stuck in this land where I'm banished. I'm helpless. He's I kinda, don't know what to kinda do. He's kind of useless at this point. He yeah. is. He's yeah. really useless. And he's yeah. all but saying I'm useless yeah. out here. I'm banished. I think it's for a year. I don't know. Yeah. She's just like, whatever, bro. Yeah. I got shit to do. I'm yeah. going to head north. He's like, no, no, don't go yeah. north. Yeah. We're both going to die. And she's like, whatever. That she does not care about his... No, no. He has no power in this situation. No. Yeah. And I really liked that. Like, I, oh, I yes. enjoyed yeah. that. No. She has a job to do. And of the five people who you talked about in the prologue were sent through the gates to patch up these holes, she's the last one remaining oh, of those five. Okay. And right. she's the last one remaining... And she is just duty bound. Look, I got a job to do. I'm going north because that's where I know the last one of these things is that I got to patch up. You can tag along if you want to. I really don't care. I've got a job and I'm here to do the job. Yeah. He is just along for the ride. You're following along with her just like this character. You're tagging along for the ride just like you're reading the book. Very common thread in a lot of C.J. Cherry books is you have a strong female figure and a guy who is just kind of tagging along. I don't want to say... A useless, mediocre male, but it's, it's <laughs> very close to that. Is just the guy's just kind of along for the ride. Sometimes he can take care of himself. Most of the times he can't. Very old, tired trope of the male character having to rescue the female character is completely subverted in her books. You're following along with Vanya, and Morgane will sometimes leave, or he'll get captured. She won't. And he won't know where she is. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm captured. Where is she? You don't know. You're not told. The story is never told from her perspective. So that is fascinating. Yeah, so, so it's, he's just yeah. kind of like, oh, my God, I'm captured. I'm about to be killed. Mm -hmm. And she'll come in and kick some ass and save him. That kind of thing. That's kind of the, the feel That's for really, the rest of the book. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that really subverts the damsel. Very, very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very, very much. I'm thinking about Terry Goodkind. And his sort of oh, truth books Jesus. where... An author we will never read on this I've podcast. read enough of the sort of truth books where I will not read anymore. His female character, because there was only one. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's if there are other female characters, and there are, they're always evil. They're always evil. They're evil. Or if there yeah. were any good ones, yes. they, they died. They died, yeah. Um, <laughs> they were raped and then murdered. Yep. The good female character was always, every single book was every always book. almost raped. All, and, uh, and always captured. And always captured. Raped. It has to be saved. Has it to be has saved. to be saved. Every single fucking... Terry Goodkind's characters are almost always raped by Brotherhood, and she's always saved 
by objectivism. Without getting too into Terry Goodkind's books, the enemies are always collectivists. They're, yep. they're always basically communists. Now, another author I've read way too many of his books that I never would pick up again. So in the third part of the Morgane saga, the character of Morgane is kind of not captured, but she's taken a day off somewhere. A and personal day. Kind of like a personal day. It's kind of like a recuperation. And the character of Vanya has to find her, but he's not saving her. There's no confusion that he's saving her from a situation. She's, no, I'm here. Yeah, I know I look like I need to be saved, but I actually don't. You can kind of stand down. Yeah. Of all the books that I had on the curated list of books for our First Chapters podcast, of all the C.J. Cherry books, it is the top-rated C.J. Cherry book. That's interesting. By far. You can read the comments on Goodreads. People are like, this book is my life. I have read this book conservatively 500 times. I own four copies of this book. <laughs> I one time thought I lost a copy of my book and I felt bad. And I had to go immediately buy another copy. People enjoy this book. I too. It's my favorite C.J. Cherry novel. There's just yeah. something about... Yeah. Because it, it takes you on a trip. Every single of the parts of the Morgane saga, they go through a gate to a different land completely. A whole different world. Especially the second part is to this day one of the most fascinating fantasy settings I've ever read in my life. The world's moon has shattered and mm -hmm. the world is slowly falling apart and it's slowly sinking into its own oceans. Mm -hmm. So they're in this particular world, but they have this ticking clock where they come into the world and they get there just in time. They get there right as soon as the gate that they're going to is sinking. Oh God. And they have to figure out what's going on. You may have seen the name mentioned a few times, The Call. The Q-U-A-L. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. how you pronounce it? Yeah. The uh, okay. I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, but it, that's how I pronounce it in my head. The call. Yeah. They were not human. They were a species that looked human. They were the ones who once had controlled the gates yeah. and okay. who fucked around with shit and who caused the shit. And that is why the call are kind of referred to like as demons. People will kind of talk about them. Oh, that's probably, he has call blood in him. They get into this other world in the part two of this saga where some of the call are still around. Mm-hmm. And they lord over the humans of that land. Mm -hmm. And she has to step around them to get to her goal. To this day, part two of this book, is it sticks with me. Mm -hmm. This world they go to that's already falling apart and they get out of there just in time. It's being all told from Vanya's perspective, so you don't really know what's going on. You're just as scared as he is mm -hmm. during the whole time. Because he doesn't know what's going on, you don't know if Morgane knows what's going on or she's just kind of faking it really well. Mm -hmm. You never really know. And you just kind of have to trust her and go along for the ride. So our two questions that we usually ask for every book we talk about the first chapter of this podcast. Did they work as a first chapter in your opinion? So I'm going to say yes. Okay. Despite its flaws, okay. the prologue and the first chapter mm -hmm. did work really well. Okay. Like I did not enjoy the exposition dump of mm -hmm. the first chapter, mm -hmm. but it wasn't that long. Okay, yeah, true. It and was not super long. though I had difficulty understanding the prologue, you saw mm -hmm. how long I, I was... Yeah, you spent longer reading a short part of this book than you did Dahlgren, and you read way more of Dahlgren yeah. than I expected you to read. Though it took me a, a while to get through it, I think it made sense. Okay. I, and by made sense, I mean, I think they fit together as a prologue and first chapter. Mm -hmm. first Not chapter. just that they work together. Do you think they worked as a first chapter to grip the reader? I do. Okay. All right, I do. I think yeah. the, the problems that I had were my own. Oh, okay. I've established definitely her style of writing is not your thing. 
Yeah. It is just totally not your thing. Yeah. And the second one is, would you read more of this book? Actually, yeah, I really love this book. Really? <laughs> I Why? Did. How? At the end of the second, <laughs> at the end of the second chapter, you really want to read more. I do. Interesting. Why, I thought why it was interesting. I thought the second chapter ended mm-hmm. with a cliffhanger is the wrong term for it, but it, it ended exactly the way you're supposed to end a second chapter. It's very interesting that you mentioned that term cliffhangers, and I don't mean this negatively. There's a lot of cliffhangers in this saga. And I like that. Because yeah, like, like you say, they keep you reading. Okay, she ended the second chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, now I, I clearly need to read the third chapter to see where they're going. Okay, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. The third person, extremely limited mm-hmm. point of view. Yeah. It didn't bother me that much. Okay, yeah. I enjoyed how useless mm-hmm. that Vanya was. <laughs> if he you wasn't, li- trust me, if you like that, there's way but more. But he wasn't it. annoying. <laughs> no, he, he wasn't an obnoxious yeah. character. He's, he's young. And he comes from a culture that's very, you may have noticed, very honor-bound. Yeah. The culture that he comes from. There's a lot that he can't do. He's a space do. marine. Uh, no, not, not like a space marine. Not duty. It's more honor. He doesn't want to do these things. He feels forced into them by the culture he's in. There's a lot of unpacking that I suddenly can be talked about in a book written by C.J. Cherry there. A yeah. character who is forced to do things by the culture that they exist in that they would honestly rather not do but they don't know any other way of doing it. Right. Now that's for a full book podcast. That's Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Oh, so interesting. So would you think you'd read more? I probably would. So this is another follow-up. That would make me feel happy because this is probably, of all the books we've done, oh, of all the books we're going through, might be my favorite book. Yeah. So I'm not saying that our ongoing relationship with this podcast depends on whether or not you like (laughs) this book, but it it might. I'm not not saying that either. I will say table this one and this will go on my nightstand. I do want to continue reading this one. That would make me happy. And I'm putting this one above the Warhammer one. Oh God. Do you want to pick up the Warhammer one again? Please do. But yeah, this this one I do want to read again. Well, if you do like the Morgane saga, very interestingly, C.J. Cherry came back something like, I'm going to say conservatively, maybe 10 years after these books and wrote a fourth part of the Mm -hmm. books, which typically in my experience, that's usually never a good thing. It's usually when an author is like run out of ideas and they revisit an earlier idea. Think about like a a show getting rebooted today. What Stephen King did with The Wind Through the Keyhole for the Dark Tower mm-hmm. series. Yeah. I thought that was really good. That was neat, but that was kind of filling in a space in between mm-hmm. a story that he'd already written. The kind of fourth book in this saga, which is not part of the saga, it's like a separate fourth thing. Mm-hmm. It's afterwards, it's about 10, 12 years. Those are usually never a good thing in my opinion. In this one case, it actually is. It's a real good book to follow up in a couple approved. months. Approved. Approved. We don't have like, you know, next week, tune in to blah, 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 blah. We don't, we don't do that here. We don't do that. Just, we don't give you bullshit here on this podcast. <laughs> you get what we're talking about, and then you can stop the podcast right now if you want to. I mean, feel free. Go ahead. Press the stop button. Wait for the next episode or keep listening. Bye. We just say bye. 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 Thanks for listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books. Your hosts were Nina McNamara and Engineer Mike. Our music was provided by Alex Productions and Virtua Jams. Check out our website at graycatbooks.com for links to our credits. Thanks again for listening. Have you read more CJ Cherry books than you have Warhammer books? No. Of total, I've read more Warhammer 40k books. You know, like I said on one previous episode, yeah. probably about 50 of them. But for a single author, mm-hmm. I've read more CJ Cherry books than any other author by far. I think it was about 35 or 38 of her books I'd read. I have such a difficult time 
buying you books sometimes because I will go to <laughs> the store, like I'll go to the used bookstore section and I'll think, I'm going to buy Engineer Mike a new CJ Cherry book, but honestly, I don't know which ones you've read and which ones you haven't. I've read most of them. Thank you.